Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, that's my mom. And Glenn Leverins. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. Good morning and welcome back to a brand new hour of Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thank you so much for making us a part of your morning across America and beyond. Wherever you may be listening to us on this Wednesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. On Wednesdays, I always take a a brief moment uh, to remind you about St. Joseph's. On Wednesdays, we remember St. Joseph, and I always try to encourage you to pray to St. Joseph. He is a powerful intercessor. So go to Joseph, the head of the Holy Family. Now, let me ask you a quick question. How's your marriage going? Uh, Have questions or need advice? Uh, Well, join us for the debut of Marriage Unhindered with Morning Air contributor Doug Hinder coming up this Saturday. Doug is a licensed marriage and family therapist with over 42 years of marriage and family experience of his own. Marriage Unhindered, live Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We're also uh, really excited to have uh, the Dave Duran Show back on the air here on Relevant Radio. Dave is focused on helping people integrate their faith uh, life uh, into their careers, and he draws from decades of building and leading companies. Uh, Dave will share uh, practical tips to increase personal results and leadership skills. The Dave Duran Show, uh, Saturdays at 1 p.m. Central uh, here on on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. And of course, Dave uh, will uh, be with us as he uh, does every single Wednesday. He'll join us at 7.38 Central Time a little bit later uh, this hour. I want to bring in Glenn and Sarah uh, once again. Uh, Glenn, what are a few of the big stories making headlines this hour here uh, on this Wednesday morning? Well, the weather radar not quite as colorful it was as it was this time yesterday. It's kind of moved off into northern New England. That storm system uh, still bringing rain to that part of the country, but uh, leaving four deaths in the, the wake of all of that, especially in the southeast. Uh, it's snow across parts of the, the Midwest, a mix of freezing precip in Chicagoland yesterday. And power still out uh, for over 100,000 customers in New York and in Pennsylvania there as well. And uh, so uh, winter throwing what a punch at us, John. Yes, it has been quite a, a, a punch. Uh, we're talking about severe thunderstorms, uh, tornadoes, uh, damaging high winds, and uh, hail the size of a, of a baseball. So uh, the, the folks have had to, to deal uh, with uh, these challenges in many parts of our country, Glenn, and, and we're still not out of the woods. No, another storm system expected uh, for much of the country, especially the eastern half, Thursday night into uh, into Saturday as well. So, time to remember how to how to handle handle winter weather, especially when out driving. Yeah, it was not uh, as uh, harsh as anticipated uh, here in the, the Chicago area. We were we were awaiting anywhere from three to twelve inches of snow uh, the last couple of days, and uh, it's more like uh, two to three inches of snow. So we we count our blessings, but at the same time, I know a lot of folks are going through some really uh, really tough times with with the weather. You know, it doesn't take more than an inch or two to suddenly turn that half-hour commute into a two-hour slog in uh, many of our major cities. And so 
Uh, and for those who have to, to work or even wait for public transportation out in the weather this time of year, our, our prayers go out. And, uh, you know, here's hoping you can find the, the proper uh, outdoor gear. Yeah, my commute is only about 15, 16 minutes uh, in in the morning. Uh, so, uh, you know, I should be able to make it in every morning. But I worry about uh, Sarah here on the other side of the glass because oh, she's got yeah, a much, much sweet. longer commute. Well, you know, I'll, you know, many people worry about me and not just because of my commute. They just, there's so many things to worry about when it comes to me. But uh, <laughs> we carry on, we carry on. It's been uh, pretty good so far. So we'll see the summer, the winter, you know, you wake up in the morning, you look out the window and you know what kind of day it's going to be depending on how clear the, the ground is, and today it was clear, so I thought, eh, hey, it's going to be a good day. Well, when I pull into our big, uh, empty parking lot uh, at about a little after 5 in the morning and I see that Sarah's uh, vehicle is here, then I know she made it. <sighs> nice sigh of relief. There you go. <laughs> All right. Um, meanwhile, we've got the big uh, Republican debate uh, tonight, uh, Glenn. Yeah, two of the uh, remaining alternatives to uh, former President Trump on the Republican side going at it to uh, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis tonight on, on CNN. And this in, in advance of uh, Monday, coming up the 15th, Monday's Iowa caucuses. It is uh, in advance of those caucuses. And uh, uh, former President Trump, uh, again, will not be at uh, this debate uh, as he's done with the other debates. He has decided to skip it once again. He'll be holding a town hall at the same time on Fox News at 8 p.m. Central tonight. So, uh, Glenn, it'll be really interesting in in the battle uh, between the town hall and the debate to see who gets uh, the better uh, ratings, uh, how many eyes are actually, uh, you know, uh, listening. Listening and watching. And the real votes uh, start to count on, on Monday. Uh, Trump has a pretty large lead in Iowa and has, uh, you know, ever since he announced. Uh, and then the following, the 23rd in New Hampshire, the first in the nation primary voting gets underway. And there, things uh, much closer on the Republican side with uh, Nikki Haley uh, moving up into, into second past Ron DeSantis. Uh, and so, you know, kind of different uh, groups of people doing the voting and, uh, and caucusing between Iowa and New Hampshire. And, uh, and a couple of weeks down the road, we'll have a, a little better look at, uh, at where things stand. It's been a lot of a lot of talk and a lot of polling to this point, but uh, we'll we'll see uh, short order uh, how things go and some of the the candidates doing less well. Uh, how long they hang in there? Well, there's a lot of folks uh, in Iowa that are still undecided, is from what I have seen. And in fact, uh, last night, uh, in a sort of a warm up for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he addressed viewers and a live audience in an exclusive uh, town hall event uh, hosted by Fox News. DeSantis was asked about uh, being down by uh, 30 points in uh, many of the polls to former President Trump. First of all, just to boil down this choice on caucus night. Uh, Donald Trump's running for his issues. Nikki Haley's running for her donors' issues. I'm running for your issues, your family's issues, and to turn this country around. And that's my sole focus. And I think you can see an indication of who represents the biggest threat to the current order of things in Washington, because we need a change agent in Washington. Rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic isn't going to work. They have spent more money attacking me than all the other Republicans have faced combined. They've spent more money attacking me than Biden and Trump combined in this election cycle. Uh, The media, I mean, who does the media not want to be the candidate? Me, they're after me all the time. But you know, I view that for Republican voters, that should be an endorsement of me. Glenn, is, is something that Governor DeSantis said that really uh, kind of hit home was he reminded the, the folks that uh, these uh, polls <laughs> 
are wrong so much of the time. Uh, he, he talked about, uh, you know, Ronald Reagan being down to Jimmy Carter back uh, in, in 1980 and how those polls were all wrong. And he said even his own polls uh, running for governor this last time, uh, they showed him just barely winning, and he went on to win in a landslide. Well, when you're leading in the polls, you hope they're correct. When you're behind, uh, you you hope they're wrong. And uh, we all remember back in 2016 uh, when Mr. Trump uh, beat Mrs. Clinton. Uh, the, the polling certainly made it look like uh, she'd have an, an easy time in the general election, and that wasn't the case at all. So we we never know. It is uh, difficult. They, the, the best guess is they kind of can show momentum at a snapshot in time. But uh, in terms of finding the, the folks who will actually turn out to cast their ballots uh, is a little trickier in this day and age of, of cell phone life, where uh, you can't always get a hold of all of the people uh, as easily as you could when everybody lived on, on landlines, John. Well, uh, meanwhile, uh, today is National Take the Stairs Day. Uh, Glenn and Sarah, how are you guys going to observe this day? Well, believe it or not, there's more than one way you can observe it. You think, well, I mean, how can you do it? Well, you just you just take the stairs, right? But uh, there's, you know, there's other things that you can do because there's more than one way to exercise using just uh, many stairs. You use a flight of stairs, but sometimes you could just use uh, one step. And in fact, Jane Fonda has a whole video all about it. People love stepping because it gives you as intense an aerobic workout as high impact does with less stress to the joints. So there you go. That's uh, <laughs> just in case you were curious about that. <laughs> all those aerobic workouts are still good. And you know what? It's, you know, suggested maybe about 10,000 steps a day means that you're doing pretty good. So if you don't have some way to track that, just, uh, Assume you're doing good, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I I can't believe you brought out uh, old Jane Fonda in her leotards, <laughs> barefoot, uh, doing aerobics. Well, you put those images out there. I just put the audio. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is hysterical. You know what? I am going to take the stairs today in honor of National Take the Stairs Day uh, uh, here in our beautiful uh, Relevant Radio uh, Lincolnshire headquarters. Uh, we have uh, the coffee machine up on the second floor, and so... Uh, it gives me an excuse to uh, maybe go briskly up the stairs. There you go. Don't wear, your, don't wear yourself out. But, you know, it, it's interesting, though, because I, I looked it up, and if you worked near the Eiffel Tower, you could also take stairs there, but not all the way up, just uh, about halfway, and then you got to Oh, my goodness. I, I can't believe you brought that up. Yeah, there's like I, 600 uh, steps up and 600 down, so yeah. that's quite a bit. Quick story. Yeah. I actually uh, visited uh, Paris years ago with my mom, uh, um, and... Uh, I'll never forget, I tried to climb up the stairs of the Eiffel Tower, and I got about three-quarters of the way, and I looked over the side, and I was just petrified. It was scary. It was so scary. I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing this. And I turned around and came all the way back down and took the elevator instead. He's been taking the elevator ever since, even though it's only one floor. Oh, Great memories. All right. Enjoy National Take the Stairs a Day, and uh, you'll be glad you did. As always, thanks so much, uh, Sarah and Glenn. Hey, sure thing, John. We begin every single hour always in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings. And we continue to pray as we always do through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. Of course, we continue to pray for peace in the world. It is so needed, especially in the Middle East and in Ukraine. We pray for peace in our nation, peace in our church, Peace in our families and peace in our hearts. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn, and patroness of Relevant Radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our power scripture from the playbook of life this morning is from 2 Timothy 3.16. The Apostle St. Paul writes, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Here on Morning Air and on Relevant Radio as a whole, we have a love and a reverence for the Word of God because all Scripture is inspired by God. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it's useful for teaching because it's the Word of God, not merely the words of men. At the, the beginning of this new year, I want to encourage you uh, to take some time and read, study, and pray God's Word more than ever before, and you can do it every day, just a little bit at a time. I think it's a good New Year's resolution to try to spend a few minutes in the Bible, in sacred scripture, every day, and our Lord Jesus Christ will transform you, and he will touch your heart. And we always pray with great confidence from the Chapel of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. We need to take a, a short pause when Morning Air continues. Our spiritual director, Father Marcel Tyone, the pastor of St. Thomas Mork Catholic Parish in Narragansett, Rhode Island, will be with us to talk about the meaning of ordinary time that we have uh, just entered into uh, these last couple of days. How can we make the most of it? We'll talk about it. Stay with us. There is uh, much more to come on this Wednesday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. It's Morning Air with John Morales, Sarah Tafoya, and Glenn Leverett on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in on this Wednesday morning in the first week of Ordinary Time. And more on Ordinary Time here momentarily. Uh, it's a joy to be with you on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. As always, uh, you can send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. You can find us on social media on X. Our Twitter handle is Morning Air show as well as on Facebook. Our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the program here this morning, it's 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Again, 888-914-9149. Now, as you may know, as of Tuesday, we're back to ordinary time with the Christmas season behind us. But that doesn't mean that any day is ordinary. How can we make the most out of ordinary time, which is not monotonous at all? How can we keep the faith in that spirit, that Christmas spirit all year round? And, and, uh, 
how can we continue to encounter Jesus every day uh, the way that we try to uh, during Advent and the Christmas season? Joining us live is our spiritual director uh, this morning, uh, Father Marcel Tyone, with much more on the meaning of ordinary time. Uh, Father Tyone is the pastor at St. Thomas More Catholic Parish in Narragansett, Rhode Island. He has served for over a decade in vocation ministry for Our Lady of Providence Seminary while chaplain of Bishop Hendrick in high school, and he's a longtime relevant radio and morning air contributor. Good morning, Father Tyone. Thank you so much for being with us. It's a joy to be with you once again, I believe for the first time here in the new year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, to all our listeners, and uh, it's been a great Christmas season, of course, that lasted many days, not just one day, and uh, and now uh, it's really, uh, it's a new year, it's a new year of grace, a new year to get closer to Jesus, and a new year to grow in our prayer lives, so uh, and it's a new year. New Year for Relevant Radio. We're happy happy to be back together again. So it's good to be on. Well, uh, Father, as I went to Mass yesterday, and uh, the priest uh, came out uh, for Mass in his green vestments, uh, I knew uh, that it was the beginning of ordinary time. Can you explain to us how ordinary time doesn't mean that uh, any day is ordinary? No, exactly, and I, I think it's a strange. Uh, probably, if if I could change anything in the church, one of the things I change is I would change this name in a sense because it, it's sort of uh, misleading in a sense. So everything's extraordinary. Christ is present to us, and we're called in ordinary time. Right? We do see green, and most of the decorations for Christmas have been taken away, celebrating the solemnity. And, and you're right, the priest wears green. Um, and why do we do that? Again, green symbolizes the ordinary times of the church when we're not preparing for a particular solemnity in particular, like Christmas, like Easter, like Holy Week, Advent, Lent, um, and all these other wonderful uh, feasts and solemnities we have. But it's the ordinary time. Green is the time of sort of, we're not preparing for a feast, but Christ is still the center of our life. So I think all of us, clergy and lady, we, we got through Christmas, and we even the church decorations and the colors were like, oh, you know, it's sort of a, a toned-down time, very much more simple, and, and not, if you will, not as many distractions towards the feast days, but, but all the more reason, I think, that Ordinary Time can sort of be a reboot and give us almost like the church is not directing us directly on what to meditate on. So in Lent, Advent, I think all of us sort of the, the readings change, the music changes, and everything's geared towards getting ready for Christmas, getting ready for Holy Week, repenting of our sins. And so this is a time where I think we can be pretty individual, actually. So I think it's a time where we can all sort of ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do differently during ordinary time? We might get to know a new saint. We might try a new method of prayer. We might read a different part of Scripture. We might uh, just pick up a new devotion. We can do spiritual reading. And I think ordinary time is sort of a, a great time to do something different, but to make it extraordinary by, by letting the Holy Spirit guide each one of us to entering more. Of course, we have the, the, week, the weekday and, and weekend uh, Sunday Gospels we can always go to. But I think it's sort of a nice time to try something a little different. Again, Lent will be around the corner. It'll sneak up on us kind of fast, like usual. But in these next weeks, I, I think it's a time for us to kind of be a bit creative and try something new with our children, with, with our parish, and, and sort of, uh, you know, obviously we're still in the year of the Eucharist as well, so kind of maybe a Eucharistic devotion or a 
reading a spiritual reading of some book or or some kind of podcast about the Eucharist I think would also be good this year in particular but we can we can do that we can still go to confession and other things maybe we didn't get to do during the busy uh, holy season which we just had but maybe it's a time we can kind of turn down the vibe a bit be more interior and work on our interior life in a way that's unique to each one of us you know what what does Jesus want to reveal about himself to us in these weeks in January and February what is it the Lord wants to share with you about himself and that that's a great question as we come into the second day of ordinary time it's a great question to ask ourselves and to ask jesus himself about what what he'd like us to do and i think it's a great a great way to look at the season father would you say that maybe going to mass uh, one extra day uh, during the week uh, in addition to sundays of course could be a a beautiful practice here during uh, this period of of ordinary time no i think there's no better thing in the year of the eucharist is to receive the eucharist to worship Christ in the Eucharist to adore Him, to glorify Him, but it's a great suggestion. But I think going going to Mass uh, one day a week is great. And again, sometimes you might have to drive an extra little bit, but going to a, a neighboring parish has a more maybe a, a more flexible time for your schedule. But it's a great thing to do. Um, you know, we have Saturday morning Mass here. Still, a lot of people come from far away. They come. Uh, to, they can only go on Saturday morning. That extra time of the week is Saturday. Not a lot of places have that, but that's also a suggestion. Or visiting, if there's an open chapel or an open church, hopefully near your house or a shrine, but to make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament as well. If we can't make the Mass time, some people, they're in school or they're teaching or they have jobs, understandably, but perhaps we find that open chapel or church where we can visit the Lord in the Eucharist as well if we can't make Mass. So I think those both of those things are Eucharistic, year-oriented, ordinary times uh, of more grace. So it's not a time nothing's happening. It's a time we kind of can almost, if you will, uh, choose off our own menu of what it is to pray for, how to pray, and how do we encounter Jesus differently during ordinary times. Ordinary times, I think the palette's kind of blank, and we can kind of paint our own, if you will, each very individually. We can sort of make it our own, and, and that's why ordinary times, it's always an invitation by the Lord and the Church to, to be open to extraordinary grace during these days. Father Tayon, can, can you explain um, a little bit more about ordinary time and how there's actually uh, two periods of ordinary time, uh, the, the time between now and Lent and then after the, the uh, glorious uh, Easter season? Yeah, and it is sort of, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> if you really enter into the church's seasons, we sort of ride this intensity, right? So we, we go through Advent, which I love Advent because it's sort of countercultural. It, it's a time to slow down, to reflect, to repent. And then we enter into the Christmas season. Of course, our churches and our lives are, are very busy. They're extraordinary. The music and the decorations and the vestments and everything is just so wonderful. And we kind of come down. And I do think it's like after getting ready for a wedding, an ordination, or you know, some big event in our life, we kind of put so much energy to it. And then after this, kind of like a fall off a little bit. And if we liturgically want to make sure that doesn't happen to us, that we don't sort of uh, come down and we're not we're not was set up to crash, but these ordinary, these, you're right, there's two ordinary times, and they're after the great feast. So it is a recalibration, I think, a kind of redirection. And I think a very, again, a very meditational time, a time of prayer. And I think we're in the winter time now, and I think winter, sometimes we're inside more, we can pray more easily, we're, we're indoors more, more often than not, I think, than other times of the year. But instead of walk, going for a, a prayer walk, we can actually maybe kind of do a scriptural rosary or a different kind of rosary and, and kind of enter into, if you will, into the, the wintertime prayer, which is it's, it can be very consoling, very comforting, 
um, kind of stay, staying in the warm in most places in our country. We kind of can stay warm inside, but literally, I think it's a great time to read and to uh, read scripture and to, and to do these things. So there's two times a year, again, most notably the green color. Um, I taught RCA last night. For people that don't know, that's people converting Catholic or things. And one of our, our non-baptized members of the class said, Oh, Father, you came out with green. And he said, I, he didn't know anything about ordinary time. And he's so sweet. And uh, he thought it was just my color preference because the other priest he said, before I left for Christmas, the priest was wearing purple all the time. He said, you came out with green. And then we explained the seasons last night. And he said, Oh, my gosh, I just thought you liked green. <laughs> and he didn't <laughs> know. hysterical. He, he was so, he said, Oh, my gosh, I thought it was your choice of color because the other priest wore purple all month, and then you were in green. He said, I thought you chose that. I said, no, it wasn't a Versace move. There's a really beautiful reason why, and it was so pure and so beautiful, but he really had no idea. He thought it was my favorite color and because he didn't know. He's, he's a true uh, convert, and uh, it was so beautiful. He's a beautiful man, and uh, it was just such a... It just had to share that it was so beautiful about what we're talking about. And again, but he noticed, right? He noticed the decorations were gone. He noticed that was in green. He, the visuals spoke to him. They, they, they made him question what's going on. Things are so different. And again, he's he's never used to going to mass or in Catholic church. So he was uh, kind of mesmerized, and the colors spoke to him. The uh, the simplicity of the change in in the decorations spoke to him. And he was we had a fascinating conversation around it. So the church is ordinary time was speaking to him and he uh, and then he found out green's not my favorite color but it's, it's a color that that designates the time we're in the sacred time ordinary time so it's really uh, wonderful things before advent and lent so he now he knows and uh, and i think it's great how these uh, converts can teach us the beauty of the church's life and the liturgical seasons are like winter spring summer fall and uh you know i think all seasons have their own meaning to them and just like in the in the nature seasons the church's seasons also are rhythmic for us and are an invitation and uh and the visuals and is an invitation to the heart and soul for us to sort of to sort of i think just be with the lord and come to know christ better so i thought uh i thought last night that was a, it was it was a great segue for for this piece today and about why why the church has these seasons that are so good to us I'd like to open up our phone lines here in the moments uh, that we have uh, Father Tyone with us. If you want to be part of our conversation on ordinary time, how can you make uh, this ordinary time extraordinary? Uh, perhaps uh, if you're able to go to Mass more than just on Sundays, maybe even uh, daily Mass, we'd love to, to hear from you. Uh, and if you do go to daily Mass, maybe you can uh, recommend uh, why it's so special to you, uh, to uh, our other listeners uh, how can we keep that joy of Christmas going all year around? We'd love to hear from you. We're taking your calls for Father Marcel Tyone at 888 Father, can you uh, talk about uh, how uh, ordinary time is a great opportunity to really meditate on the life of Christ uh, d- during uh, the rest of, of the year? Yeah, because I think what it is, too, it's, you know, we, we have the readings follow, obviously, the seasons, right? So the book of Isaiah and Advent, we obviously, the Annunciation, the birth of Christ, or all the, the Gospels, but you'll see now the Gospels switch over, and now we're going to talk about um, the Gospels will be different parts, but really, it really the stories of conversions to Jesus, Jesus choosing his disciples, conversions, parables, um, preaching, like this coming weekend is the great gospel, right? Jesus is going to, they're going to say, uh, you know, we found the Messiah, come and see, you know, where, where are you staying? 
and Jesus will say, come and see, come and see, and come and stay with me, basically. And uh, we'll see these Gospels are kind of all over the place, which I love, you never know, so in ordinary time, there's different parts of the Gospels, and uh, they're extraordinary because they're so all over the place, and I think that's, that's the there's certainly an organization to it, but I find we're not, again, we're not meditating and getting ready for a major feast in the Church, so it's kind of a a quieter time to look at, the, if you will, all of Jesus and his, you know, his his encounters with people, his preaching, his teaching, the miracles, the parables, and so many things that that are still as true to us today as they were the day they happened. But we need to sort of live those and, and do those. So I, I think again, ordinary time is important. I think, and, and I think right now too, I think it's a great time to pray for peace in the world. Uh, we can sort of consecrate our prayer time. I think two things would be Eucharistic, really focusing on the Eucharist this year and trying to deepen our devotion to, to give glory to God, to adore Him, to really do adoration like the Magi did in ordinary time, to really adore Christ. That changes and lifts a person's spirit and soul. Certainly I find when when I'm adoring Jesus, you know, nothing bothers me in the way that I'm, I'm not just asking Him for things, but I adore Him, worship Him. This can really kind of change our prayer disposition, and we can kind of work on that right now. We have time to do that, uh, not focusing on the feast, so it's a, it's a great thing to do. And I think it's time to maybe, again, I, I think try to do something a little different uh, before Lent comes. And uh, I think Lent, we always run a retreat. Everyone goes on retreat if they're practicing in some way, shape, or form for Lent. But ordinary time, again, is that great, I like the image of the empty canvas, and that we let the Holy Spirit kind of put something on there for us and, and ask, again, um, to try something a little different and, and take the time to, to be more more with the Lord, more prayer, uh, more sacramentals, more Eucharistic-centered things, so maybe, again, go back to the rosary, discover the rosary, adoration, daily mass, and even maybe an examination of conscience. We actually take time to really sort of prepare differently for confession, especially if we go regularly in our lives. Sometimes a different examination of conscience can lead to a great fruition uh, in the spiritual life and relationship with Jesus. So there's lots of examinations of conscience out there, very different, sometimes pertinent to our own vocation in life, our own state of life. And this too can be a nice way to sort of do something do something different uh, that we can, we can take to heart and, and get to know the Lord that way. Father Tyone, can you give us your blessing this morning as we're here at the very beginning of Ordinary Time? Lord, we ask you to bless all our listeners today, at this moment. Anyone listening to this blessing, they know that you love them, you're with them, and guide our ordinary time. And we might be open to all the graces of this day, but especially this season that is ours and a gift from you. May Almighty God bless everyone today, the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, uh, Father Tyone. Really appreciate it. Father Marcel Tyone, the pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic Parish in Narragansett, Rhode Island, and a longtime Relevant Radio and Morning Air contributor. We need to take a short break when Morning Air uh, continues. Our personal success coach, Dave Duran, the co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media, will join us to discuss five things people often don't understand about leadership. So stay with us. We're headed down the stretch on this Wednesday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We 
And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Wednesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. You can send us an email directly if you have any thoughts or story ideas, whatever might be on your mind that you want to run by us. It's Morning Air at RelevantRadio.com. Now, in case you missed it, we are really excited for our longtime Morning Air contributor, Dave Duran, who is standing by. He'll be with us momentarily because the Dave Duran Show is coming back on Relevant Radio. Dave is focused on helping people integrate their faith life into their career and drawing from decades of building and leading companies. Dave will share practical tips to increase personal results and leadership skills. The Dave Duran Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. Central here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Now, when we talk about leaders, oftentimes uh, leaders are in the spotlight for doing unpopular things, and we just don't understand why did they do it? Joining us live from Fort Myers, Florida, is our longtime Morning Air contributor in person, uh, our personal success coach, Dave Duran, to talk about five things uh, people often don't understand about leadership. Uh, Dave Duran is an author, professional speaker, and executive coach. He's also the co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media and the founder of Lighthouse Catholic Media and DE Media. You can always follow Dave on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Again, our toll-free number if you want to be part of the conversation with Dave. It's 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Good morning, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you once again. Uh, congrats on uh, two uh, fronts. Uh, first, uh, we talked about your upcoming show here a, a moment ago, but uh, congrats on your Green Bay Packers. Uh, I thought of you last Sunday. A big win over my Chicago Bears. Well, thank you. You're very gracious on that. And I know Glenn is there. And um, so, you know, we didn't play each other this last week. It was it was between you and I, John, with the Bears and the Packers. So as far as Glenn and I are concerned, and even you for this, we can just take uh, take the day off on talking about our teams, and then we can just all wait to see how we do in the playoffs this Sunday and then talk next Wednesday about it. How does that sound? Hey, it, it's good with me. I don't know about Glenn, if he'll go on with that program, but you know, just spending more time in the School of Humility here in Minnesota, who, that's all. Who, who do you guys play this weekend, Glenn? <laughs> oh, we play no. the guessing game. We play what the guessing em- game. Which quarterback are we going to draft uh, in April? That's what we play. Yeah. What an embarrassing mistake. I feel so bad about that. You guys don't play till next year. Okay. That's, <laughs> we can move on then. You've got one more week to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave, I got, oh, I got to tell you, your guy, your quarterback, Jordan Love, uh, the guy looked, uh, you looked amazing. Uh, he, uh, he looked very Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre-esque. He did well. Of course, he came up the same way. So they I, apparently love is the answer, and that's a good thing. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, the other thing that, of course, uh, we're really excited and really happy for you is uh, that the Dave Duran Show is back once again, uh, starting this coming uh, Saturday, uh, January thirteenth. Uh, are, are you are you fired up? Are you pumped up for it? Oh, we're so excited about it. Uh, yeah, Nico, my producer, and I have been working hard on the first. Uh, episode and we've got a great guest coming up uh denzel samuels uh he'll uh he'll be talking about uh, you know with the way he's navigated his way through his professional life and how faith is involved in that no doubt about it and then we take uh q a too from uh some of the listeners 
as well as uh, just uh, going down a lot of the information we cover here on Morning Air. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. In fact, people can, if they want to, they can um, reach out to Dave at LeadingGiants.com if they have any questions about leadership or entrepreneurship uh, that they would like uh, addressed, and we can we can cover those on the Dave Durant Show. But I really appreciate your support and just super excited about it. Well, we're happy uh, for you and, uh, uh, of course, uh, our listeners uh, as well. And I understand that the show is going to be uh, better than ever uh, starting this coming Saturday, 1 p.m. Central here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Yes, very, very excited. Thanks so much. All right, let's uh, let's dive into the five things that people often don't understand about leadership. Uh, Dave, uh, what is the first one? The first one is it's exclusive. And this is something that is, of course, in today's day, um, being challenged more and more. And, and, and I don't mind saying, I think it's for a nefarious reason. Uh, there's, there's some good-heartedness that happens with this sort of thing. But it's kind of even, sadly, a bit of a, cult, a cultural and a political type of thing where um, you know, people say everyone can lead, you know, that leadership is not exclusive, that, that we're all leaders and we can all lead and there's no need for a leader, that everybody on the team can be a leader. Well, it doesn't, it actually, it, it doesn't even meet the law of non-contradiction to say that we don't need a leader, we all can be the leader. Um, if we don't need a leader, then we shouldn't talk at all about leadership. So if we all are going to be the leader because we don't need a leader, why? Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Leadership is exclusive. There will always be less leaders than followers. And if you have a two-headed beast, it's going to run in two different directions and rip itself apart. So you need one person particularly in charge if you're going to get things done. And that's a good thing. And one of the reasons that people do this is that there's a self-esteem-oriented thing. There's a, I don't like hierarchy. If you think because you lead, you're better or worse. Being a leader does not make anyone better than somebody who's a follower. And I think that this is a false principle. And because this false idea that if you're a leader, you're somehow better or you think you're better than a follower, that misperception is why people try to grab territory that is not their own. It's also the reason that people say, how do I manage my boss? And all these things that don't, don't make sense. Embracing the idea of hierarchy is a very good idea. And what most people don't realize is that Virtually every leader uh, uh, that has ever walked planet Earth is also a follower of somebody else. And being a good follower is a prerequisite to being a good leader. Uh, so we have to really consider that. And now it is true that at times we are all called to be in some sort of a, a leadership role, even if it's not formal. Parenting, clearly that sort of thing. Um, but, but leadership is exclusive. It is, it's, it is the type of thing where, you know, if you've got an organization... There's going to be way more followers than the leader, and that leader has to accept the responsibility that they have and recognize that their job is to create greatness in everybody that they're leading. And Dave, just because uh, you're not a leader, that doesn't mean you're not important. Again, using uh, you know football as a metaphor for life, uh, there's only one quarterback. Not everybody can be the quarterback. There's, but every single person on that team is important, including uh, the guy that holds uh, the ball for for the field goal kicker. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's a great example. But you, you in fact, the example that you're giving, John, I'll take it even further. The, the coach isn't the quarterback. And ultimately speaking, the coach is the leader. And the coach, while he may get recognition, gets way less than the quarterback. Then you have the general manager who gets even way... Most people don't know the name of the general manager of most of the professional football teams, but he leads the coach and the coach leads the quarterback. 
And this is a really important point to this, that if you're really a great general manager, you're not sitting there saying, hey, why did Jordan Love get all this recognition this weekend? They should be interviewing me instead. No, you're thrilled that Jordan Love is getting all this recognition. And Jordan Love is, is nowhere near you by way of ranking in the organization. You outrank him and many other people between him and you. But the whole idea is to create greatness in those people. And I think when, when people really start to understand that leadership is about that, they start to recognize that really effective leaders are, are very happy to sit kind of, uh, you know, not in front of the camera, but on the opposite side of the camera, while the people they're showcasing and leading are the ones that, that get the recognition for their greatness. I want to open up our phone lines. Uh, what do you think are some of the, the things that people just don't understand about leadership? Uh, have you ever had to do something unpopular uh, as a leader of an organization or, or a team? Love to get your thoughts if you want to be part of our conversation uh, on uh, leadership. We're taking your calls for Executive Coach Dave Duran on our toll-free line at 888-914-9149, 9149 All right, what's the second uh, thing uh, people often don't understand? understand about leaders. Okay, this is a big one. And I really recognize this is something that um, people miss. And it's that leaders must have the ability to be fierce, despite being peaceful and mild. And uh, so if you think about it, you, you know, if somebody has a, a, a pet uh, Bengal tiger, okay, it's going to be fun and cute. Uh, but that has the ability to be incredibly fierce. So you better treat it right. Okay. When it comes to leadership, it's the same sort of thing. The strength is a very attractive thing. And the leader needs to be fierce, not generally speaking, because they're going to be fierce with the people they're leading, but because they need to be fierce with the people that they are, you know, battling to protect the people that they lead. You want a leader who is going to say they're going to protect the organization. They're going to protect what is good about the organization. You know, our model is Jesus Christ. Who are we supposed to be like? We are supposed to be Christ-like. There's no doubt about it. He is meek and humble of heart, peaceful and kind and forgiving, and absolutely has the ability to be ferocious. And we have seen it, right, that the Lord will, you know, when, when you look at what, what the Lord has done in the Bible and that, that he, you know, there is such a thing as justice, but it's entirely tied to his mercy. That's important. We wouldn't, we would not, uh, I don't know how to word this. A theologian could word this better, but I think it's the way we're hardwired into human nature. We wouldn't have the ability to love our God the way we do if he didn't have that side because it's abundantly strong and it makes us feel utterly protected. See, we would fear the ability of a leader who has that capacity for ferocity if it was aimed toward us. But we don't fear it if it's aimed toward things that are there to threaten us. And when we know that our Lord loves us and that he will protect us and put people like St. Joseph and the Blessed Mother right there in that line and our angels and St. Michael to defend us from things that can harm us, aren't we happy that there is that power? So in that, you know, very imperfect uh, analogy or metaphor for us as leaders, we need to be able to say, hey, there are times where I have to fight for something that is good. And when that happens, I am capable and I am willing to sacrifice in order to do that to protect what it is that I'm leading. Uh, so being strong is important because there are some people that, that, that confuse this and they, 
they they overlook the side of docility to the point of uh, passivity. We're joined uh, this morning by Phil uh, from the Lone Star State of Texas. Good morning, Phil. You're on with Dave Duran. Hello. Good morning. I love your show. I uh, love this episode. But uh, one thing that I see uh, in my profession as a parks and recreation professional and also as a private consultant is a lack of virtue and leadership. And that is something that I definitely try to instill in my employees and those around me, especially when I'm uh, asked to do speaking engagements or teach. Um, so just like to hear your thoughts on that. Thank you. Oh, Phil, you are, you are speaking my language. Uh, I have a book coming out next year and the, the, the first probably 25,000 of 65,000 words are on the cardinal virtues and the transcendentals. There is no doubt about it. One of the most, uh, uh, greatest deficits in leadership today is not being virtuous having way too much vice, but the worst thing about it is not even knowing their value. And so I'm super happy to hear that what you're doing in your work is teaching people uh, the virtues, particularly the cardinal virtues, because we can't make great decisions without prudence. And if we don't have prudence, we can't, we don't have access to justice and fortitude and temperance. And so these things are to me at the core. What's really funny is this, uh, when, when you look at leadership, and, and by the way, there's so many important things in leadership, like understanding technology or at least the use of putting it in the right places, even if you don't know how to do it yourself, uh, many different strategic things, even things when it comes to organizations about marketing and human relations or, you know, human resources. But everything comes back down to the cardinal virtues. Nobody's ever said, what I loved about working there is they couldn't make a decision. And great decision making is centered on prudence. When, whenever you have a negative thing happen at the, at, in an exit interview, somebody leaves because they're dissatisfied with something, almost always the words unfair are in there. They overlooked me from promotion and it wasn't fair. They didn't pay me right and it wasn't fair, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's justice. Or, you know, we never really finished a project. Now you have fortitude. You know, all of these different types of things. So, yes, I am so in support of what you're saying, and I'm just excited that you're doing what you're doing, and, and just spread the word, because if we can get everybody out there talking this way, that's, that's how we're going to get the job done of transforming the culture that way to a virtuous culture. Thanks so much, uh, Phil. Um, what is the third thing that people don't understand about leadership, Dave? That it's willing to endure moments of unpopularity in order to do the right thing at times. And if you lead through polls, <clears throat> I'm about to make a decision. What are people going to think of it? By the way, that's not a bad thing to, to know what they're going to think of it because it, it, it shouldn't be the thing that makes you make the decision. But it, it certainly can be the thing which says, because I'm going to make a decision which is going to be unpopular, I'd like to know how unpopular it is <laughs> so that I can manage the unpopularity of the decision once I make it. But it's not to say, because it's unpopular, I'm just going to go with the flow of the crowd. This would be the exact thing that I was talking about to start the show, which would, it would be to say that you don't need a leader. If you don't need a leader, then just do a bunch of polling. And what do people want? Well, if you were to poll, you know, toddlers and say, should we all have candy and never go to bed? They're all going to poll for the candy and never going to bed. If you want to poll teenagers and ask whether or not they want bad behaviors versus good behaviors, they're all going to say the bad behaviors, or most of them are, and they're going to lead themselves right down to a dangerous path. So it's important to know that as a leader, there are going to be some unpopular decisions, but you're probably going to have an insight that they don't have that's going to lead you to something good. So overall, 
those people who find it unpopular at first are going to find you quite likable when you've taken them where they need to go. Just like in football, the clock is the enemy. We have so little time. What is uh, the uh, fourth and fifth things that, that people just don't understand about leadership? Well, leaders talk about people. They have to because they're putting the right people in the right seats of the bus. But they only do it to the degree that they can make the effective decision. And they don't extend it into the area of gossip. And uh, people who don't lead effectively will often talk about people, but not for the sake of productivity, just for the sake of gossip. And then the last thing is that you hear a lot about servant leadership, but most people do not understand what it is. Servant leadership is not having the president of the United States answer the phone at the White House. It's, you know, the classic thing is emptying the garbage. Well, yeah, but I'm telling you, if, uh, if all of the, 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 the leaders of organizations went in and started doing all the custodial work, they would never be able to get anything else done. Servant leadership is not about doing a subordinate's work for him or her. It's about empowering the subordinate to do it on their own at a higher level. And that takes an incredible amount of servanthood. So it's important that we understand what it means to be a servant leader, not just to say it from a virtue you know, signaling perspective. Well, Dave, we really appreciate uh, you being with us, and you're going to continue to be with us on Wednesdays here on Morning Air. And uh, all the best uh, to uh, the Dave Durancho uh, coming back uh, this uh, Saturday for the uh, first installment, 1 p.m. Central here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. All the best, my friend. Thanks so much, John. Many blessings. You can follow Dave on Facebook and Instagram and on LinkedIn as well. It's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today called Welcome Mats from Bob Mooney. An alcoholic friend of Philip Yancey once said to him, When I'm late to church, people turn around and stare at me with frowns of disapproval. I get the clear message I'm not as responsible as they are. When I'm late to AA, the meeting comes to a halt and everyone jumps up to hug and welcome me. They realize that my lateness may be a sign I almost didn't make it. When I show up, it proves that my desperate need for them won out over my desperate need for alcohol. Let's make sure that people know how welcome they always are, that our table is really big, and that there's always a place with their name on it at our table. Leviticus 19, 33 and 34 teaches, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. You shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Thanks so much, Glenn, as always. Let's honor our Lord Jesus and our Blessed Mother Mary by praying and watching the family rosary across America with Father Rocky and Maggie at 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. As Father Rocky always says, the family that prays together stays together. That'll do it for this Wednesday, January 10th, 2024 edition of Morning Air. For Glenn, Sarah, Gabby, Young Thomas, our entire Morning Air team, I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you tomorrow on the next Morning Air. The Patrick Madrid Show is up next.